Brothers and sisters, have you ever felt hopeless? Perhaps our November series, Hope for Justice, left you feeling overwhelmed by some of the dark injustices in our world. You long for things to be set right, for God's shalom to reign, and yet sometimes it can just feel so impossible that things could ever get better. So you give up hope. Or maybe this holiday season you've been reminded of some broken relationships in your life. A friend with whom you've never reconciled. A child who feels distant. A marriage that feels lifeless. You long to be close once again, but by this point it feels impossible that things could ever get better. So you give up Or maybe today the darkness is inside. Maybe there's a sin pattern you just can't kick. Or a deep emotional wound or fear that casts an ominous cloud over all of your days. You've tried so hard to make it go away, but by this point, it feels impossible that things will ever get better. So you give up hope. Have you ever felt hopeless? If so, you are not alone. There are many in this room who can empathize. And there are many of God's people throughout the stories of Scripture who can empathize. Our text today is written to a group of people who say that they have lost all hope. These people are the Israelites living in exile in the 6th century before Jesus Christ came to the earth. These people have experienced complete devastation. Many of their family and friends have been killed. They've been kicked out of their homeland, taunted and mocked by their captors. And now their beloved temple, the one place that they were promised to meet with God, it has been burned to the ground. Certainly God has given up on us, they think. Certainly after decades of ignoring the prophet's warnings about our idolatry and injustice, certainly God has now abandoned us forever. To them, it feels impossible that things could ever get better. So they give up hope. But into this situation of seeming hopelessness for the Israelites, God has something to say And God has something to say to us, too. Hear now the word of the Lord through the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. But before we read, let us pray. Triune God of power beyond our wildest imagining, breathe life into us now through your living word. Amen. The word of the Lord from Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones. He led me all around them, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and you shall and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord your God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, These bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Perhaps you are familiar with this passage through the popular spiritual-turned-children's song, Dem Bones. You all know this song? Toe bone connected to the foot bone, foot bone connected to the heel bone. Now hear the word of the Lord. This is why I'm not on the worship team. (laughs) The chorus at the end, Dem Bones, Dem Bones, Gonna Rise again. Dem bones, dem bones, gonna rise again. Now hear the word of the Lord. Now this song isn't just an anatomy lesson, though it can be helpful for that too, if you need that. Rather, this is a song of hope for the hopeless. For what is more hopeless than a bunch of dead bones? As Christians today, here living post-Easter, we can see how Ezekiel's vision prophesies to the hope that we have for our bodily resurrection. That our physical bones will not just remain simply bones lying in the ground. Rather, one day God will raise us and breathe new life into us, just as Christ was raised from the grave. Therefore, we do not have to fear physical death. And that is a great word of hope, is it not? So today, if you find yourself fearing the grave, or if you find yourself missing a loved one whose bones are now lying in a grave, then hear the word of the Lord. Dem bones, dem bones, they're gonna rise 
But the hope doesn't stop just there. Because if God is powerful enough to raise dry bones back to life, what else might God have the power to resurrect? And the answer is everything. Everything. So this vision is also a word of hope for all the metaphorical bones in our lives, all the parts of our lives that feel dead and hopeless, whether inside of us or in our relationships or in the world around us. Ezekiel's vision is a promise that God can breathe new life there, too. Now, if you're a little skeptical, if some situations still feel beyond hope, you're not alone. Ezekiel was skeptical, too. In verses 3 to 4, we read, He, the Lord, said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Now, in Hebrew, Ezekiel's answer is actually more woodenly translated. My Lord Yahweh, you, you know. In Hebrew, the you is absolutely unnecessary. It's just there to signal emphasis. So it's like Ezekiel is saying, Lord, you know the answer to that question. I have no idea. Now we come to learn that these bones represent all of God's people living in exile. And therefore there's good reason for Ezekiel to question whether there's any hope for them. Good reason for him to throw up his hands and say, I don't know. You see, it had been nearly 130 years since the first exile had happened. And things just seemed to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Eventually, God's people seem to have given up hope that things would ever get better. We hear their lament of hopelessness in verse 11. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. And this reference to bones, it's typical lament language in the Old Testament. So here are a few laments from the Psalms. Psalm 6, O Lord, heal me, for my bones are shaking with terror. Psalm 22, all my bones are out of joint. Psalm 31, my bones waste away. Psalm 102, my bones burn like a furnace. The Israelites in exile use the imagery of bones to express their hopelessness. And when God hears their cries, he responds by using their own imagery. You feel like dry bones, says the Lord? Well then, I've got a word for you about bones. Them bones, them bones, they're going to rise again. Oh, my people, says the Lord, your hope is not lost. I have spoken and I will act. Not to ruin the story, but God does act for the exiles. Nearly 50 years after this vision, God allows his people to return to their land. 540 years after that, God sends what they've been so desperately longing for, a Messiah born in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. 
but I'm skipping ahead of myself because we're not to Christmas yet. We're still in Advent waiting with the exiles for a word of hope. Because if we don't acknowledge the hopelessness of our situation, then we can't acknowledge our need of a Savior. And Christmas morning becomes pointless. We need to acknowledge the hopelessness in order to see the hope. So how might Ezekiel's vision speak a word of hope into the dry bones of our lives? Into the places inside of us and around us that feel dead? Well, friends, God says to us, just as he did to the exiles, I've got a word for you about bones. Them bones, them bones, they're going to rise again. But just how do they rise? Perhaps we, like Ezekiel at first, can't see any way of that happening. We throw up our hands and say, oh, Lord, I don't know. You have to tell me. And friends, that is a good first response. Because resurrection does not happen by human power. I don't know about you, but I've never made a skeleton come back to life. Anyone here? That would be pretty cool. I'd hire you on staff here. That'd be great. (laughs) Well, Ezekiel, he had never done that either. So there's good reason for him to be standing there saying, I don't know. But God reveals to Ezekiel and to us that our hope is not in our power, but in the power of God. And God reveals to Ezekiel and to us that God, though it's by his power, he often chooses to act through us, through human agents to do his seemingly impossible divine work. God's life-giving breath is channeled through the human mortal Ezekiel's breath. And so it is with us. God uses us, his mortal people, to breathe life into seemingly dead situations. So now if you would pull out your bulletin, you'll notice inside there is an insert for the sermon notes today. And on the back there's a section called Living the Word. It's helpful that this is an insert this week because I encourage you to keep this with you, at least for the rest of the Advent season, maybe for a long time, because um, this process is a lifetime process. So you'll notice here that there are three points, and these three points are three ways that God uses the mortal Ezekiel, three ways that God uses us to breathe life into seemingly dead situations. So I encourage you to keep this insert and go over it during this Advent season. It'll walk you through three areas where we might experience hopelessness, as we've named already. Personal lives, relationships, society at large. Now, you don't have to meticulously go through and name the brokenness in every single one of those. It might take you a very, very long time. But Rather, for this season, ask God to reveal one or two areas of dry bones, or more, if God leads you to that. My hunch is that God has probably already brought those areas of brokenness to your mind already. Perhaps the Spirit has already laid on your heart a situation that is heavy, that feels hopeless, and it's gnawing at you now. So 
I encourage you to think about that situation for the next few minutes as we walk through these steps. And keep this paper, because then you can keep walking through these steps again and again as brokenness and hopelessness appears in your life. So our first step, our first step is simply name the dry bones. Name the bones. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. So the first thing that Ezekiel does is to name reality. It was full of bones. Ezekiel doesn't deny the bones around him, just twiddle his thumbs and if I just don't look at them, maybe they're not there. He doesn't deny the bones. Neither does Ezekiel get to work trying to hide the bones. You know, if I get a big enough broom, I can just get them all out of my way, then I don't have to see them. And then maybe I won't have to think about them. Have you heard the phrase skeletons hiding in your closet? Gives new imagery here, right? That's exactly what Ezekiel does not do. He does not try to hide them away and deny them. He names reality for what it is and stays there. This is a valley of dry bones. And God invites us to do the same, to name the bones in our lives and our world, to name the sin, the pain, the brokenness. Because, friends, if we refuse to acknowledge the bones, if we deny, ignore, or hide them away in a closet, then God can't very well work through us to breathe life into them. Now, can he? If we refuse to acknowledge them, it's hard for God to work through us to breathe life into them. Now, I warn you that this is going to feel uncomfortable. Dry bones don't make us feel warm and tingly inside. Halloween is my least favorite holiday. I hate all those little skeletons around. They creep me out. It makes us feel uncomfortable. And that's why I think some of us resist the season of Advent or of Lent We'd rather skip right away to the manger or to the empty tomb, skip over all that comes before that, because it can make us feel uncomfortable to see the death, to see the dry bones. That's why the prophets were and still are so unpopular, because they name the dry bones. But again, if we refuse to name the bones, it's hard for us to see or be a part of God breathing new life into them. If we don't name it, we really miss out. So the first step is simply name the dry bones. Name those seemingly hopeless situations within and around you. Don't deny it. Don't hide it. Name it. The second step is to show up to these dry bones. That is, don't just name the problem and then keep it at a distance, but really get acquainted with it. In verse 2, we read, He, the Lord, led me all around them. Now in Hebrew, it, the word words here are sabib, sabib. Again, repetition. It means around and around It emphasizes that the Lord is leading Ezekiel on a thorough tour of these bones. Around and around and around he goes in this valley. Ezekiel doesn't just stand there and say, Okay, Lord, I saw it. I name it. Now get me out of here. I'm uncomfortable. 
No, instead the Lord leads him, sabib, sabib, around and around until Ezekiel is acquainted. These are very dry bones, he says. Now, besides this being a bit gruesome, wading through all these bones, there's another reason why Ezekiel wouldn't have wanted to do this. He's a priest. According to Levitical law, priests were not supposed to touch dead bodies. Ezekiel could have said, Oh Lord, you know I'm a holy man, so just keep me at a distance from those bones so there's no risk of me getting defiled. And so it is with us. Lord, you know I'm a good Christian person. I have a reputation to keep up. So I'm just going to stay here away from the brokenness. The bones in my own life, I'm just going to hide those away. As for the brokenness in the world, well, I'm just going to name that from a distance. I don't want to risk getting too close. But friends, that's the position of the separatist, which Brandon preached last week. If you missed the sermon, I encourage you to catch it online. God doesn't call us to isolate ourselves from the brokenness of the world, but rather to understand it so that we can better be God's ministers within it. But neither, picking up on Brandon's sermon, neither does God call us to accommodate, to make light of the brokenness in the world. Ezekiel doesn't stand among the bones and say, hey, cool, bones, let's play with the bones, this is exciting. No, he doesn't say this is great, because God has something better in store for these bones. He names it. He gets acquainted, and then he waits to hear for the Lord, which moves us to step three. Listen for and speak God's words of hope. Now, this is important. First, listen. Listen for God's words. Too often, many of us want to charge into a situation with our own words, our own agendas, without really getting acquainted with it first, without waiting to hear God's words and plans for that situation. But friends, God has much greater plans than we could ever come up with. Ezekiel never would have thought, hey, I've got a plan for dead bones. He didn't have it in his imagination because it was beyond his power to do. But it was not beyond God's. And so it is in our lives. God has plans and power beyond our wildest imaginations. So we wait. We ask for God's vision, God's plans, God's words. We pray. We read scripture. We seek godly counsel. And then when God calls us to speak and act, we do. So, as we're winding down here, I'm going to give you a few examples that will hopefully put some flesh on these bones, if you will. Give some practical examples of these ideas that might help you to work through some of the dry bones in your life. So, an example, say on a personal and relational level. Let's say every year when Christmas, the holidays roll around, you suddenly find yourself anxious, maybe depressed. Maybe you try to self-medicate with food or drink or shopping or busyness because everyone around you is happy, but you don't feel so happy, so I'm just going to ignore this, this thing going on within, within me. 
So what about this year if you do a different pattern? What if you just name it? I'm really anxious. I'm really sad. I'm not quite sure why, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Talk to someone. Pray about it. Maybe you'll discover that the root is a, a bad relationship with a relative that you're going to see. And every year it kicks up these feelings of this bad relationship with a relative. So spend some time praying about that relationship. Praying for that other person. Seek help from someone else to guide you in these prayers. Ask God what he might have you do differently. Maybe it means confessing a wrongdoing. Maybe it means forgiving them theirs. Maybe it means simply engaging the person, getting acquainted with them again, rather than avoiding them all Christmas Day. Listen for God's words, God's words of hope and peace to you. So that's a personal and a relational example. May apply to you, maybe not. You can translate whatever your situation is. There's a societal example that's happened recently. Um, Maybe you've heard about it, the Me Too movement. Has anyone heard of that? If you haven't, you can see it in the news. It won this year's Time Magazine Person of the Year Award. So the gist is some very dry bones were named. They were brought out of the closet, not denied anymore like they had been before. And now countless women are receiving the gift of healing. And countless others are receiving hope that they might be spared from similar trauma. It's a beautiful thing. Naming the bones leads to great life and hope. Or finally, let's take as an example a recent story from our very own community. Perhaps you saw it on WLFI lately. It's about a seventh grader, Nestor Gonzalez. Did I say that right, Kathy? Nestor Gonzalez. He's from Wea Ridge Middle School here in Lafayette. Nestor has an eye condition that leaves only a small amount of usable vision. The prospect of ever having full sight seemed hopeless. But someone invented these super techie glasses that would literally bring sight to the blind. And Nestor, he tried them on and was amazed at how much he could see. But the only problem is that they are really expensive. $15,000. His family's not in a position to be able to afford that. So the situation seemed to remain hopeless. That is until our very own Kathy Nimmer... She and a small group of others were moved by Christ's compassion to raise this money for Nestor. In a very short time, all $15,000 has been raised. Praise be to God. (laughs) For a seventh grader stuck in a seemingly hopeless situation, Hope has dawned, all because Kathy and some others were willing to name a problem, to get involved, to speak and act as agents of hope. Isn't that beautiful? Now, it's important for me to say a a brief word here about timing, and that is not everyone will receive such quick fulfillment as Nestor did. It may take some time. It may never happen in your lifetime or in this age. Consider God's people in exile 
They cried out to God for a savior. The first line of our beloved Advent hymn draws on their experience. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. But do you remember how long it took for them to be ransomed from captivity? Around 180 years for the northern kingdom, 70 years for the southern kingdom. Do you know how long it took for the Son of God to appear? Around 540 years after that. Some of them never saw it in their lifetime. But it was coming. Friends, we may not see an end to human trafficking in our lifetime. Your broken relationship may never be fully restored. You may never experience total healing for your ailment. At least not in this life. But one day, one day you will. Because Jesus Christ has promised one day to return. To usher in a new creation in which there will be complete restoration of body and soul, of relationships, communities, and nations. Complete shalom once and for all. And because of that, friends, we have the greatest hope ever known to humankind. Do we not? And as we wait and hope for that glorious day when our Emmanuel will return... God calls us, like Ezekiel, to be his agents of the hope we hold within us. God calls us, like Ezekiel, to breathe God's life-giving power into all the dry bones around us so that all the world may see a vision of what is to come one day. That one day, them bones, them bones, they're gonna rise again. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word that speaks hope into our hopeless situations. Help us to rest in this hope, to be filled with joy at that hope, and to be your agents of hope to all the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.